You're listening to Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders. Slowly delivering results and helping those people understand how some of these new approaches and solutions can help them run their business better is the way to get them to evolve into the the, the new areas of, of data science. Hello, everyone. I'm Wayne Eckerson, host of the Secrets of Data Analytics Leaders podcast, which surfaces the tips, tricks, and techniques of leading practitioners in the data analytics field. Joining me today is Rich Fox, Vice President of Data Science and Analytics at Apex Parks Group, one of the largest entertainment center companies in the United States, which operates amusement parks, water parks, and family entertainment centers. He is responsible for the organization's data science practice, as well as its overall data analytics strategy. He combines an analytical and data-driven strategy with a deep understanding of business and finance to drive business performance across many industries, including e-commerce, restaurants, and hotels, among others. Welcome to the show, Rich. Great to be here, Wayne. Well, you defined a mantra that serves as our topic today. You said, deliver data science, not reports. So we're going to have to drill into that mantra uh, in the next 30 minutes. But let's start at the top. Uh, We often toss around words without defining them. So perhaps we could start by having you define the terms analytics and data science and explain how they're the same, how they're different. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Gartner defines analytics as following a data or insight-centric approach to solving a business problem and to creating insights that can be used to drive business decisions across the organization. So you'll notice that it doesn't say build more reports, doesn't say build better looking reports, doesn't say build nicer looking dashboards. It's all about solving a business problem, helping people understand their business, and helping business users make better decisions throughout the the enterprise. So I think that's where a lot of companies lose focus on what are we trying to do here? They think that creating a lot of reports is part of delivering business intelligence analytics or data science to a company, and, and it really isn't. And then, you know, data science, that, that term has evolved over the last five, seven, 10 years. And I think where that goes a step further is it allows a company and business users to be proactive rather than reactive. So you can have good analytics that are helping you solve business problems, but you still might be looking at mainly historical data and really not looking at forward-looking data or leading indicators as the balanced scorecard talks about. So data science incorporates the applications of predictive analytics or data mining into the whole process of delivering decision-making information to business users. Okay, well, I'm still a little confused. I mean, reports can help people make business decisions as well as dashboards, right? So why do you think they're not sufficient to help companies do that and solve their business problems? Yeah, great question. And, and when I say reports, too, I'm mainly talking about more static reports and static dashboards and maybe even some drill down. But, but the challenge is, is that business users want to know three things from information. First, they want to know how are we performing. Second, why. 
And third, what should we be doing to improve business performance? The challenge with many reports is that it may do a good job telling a business user the first one, how are we performing, but they don't tell you the why or the root cause. And the why is the most important because until you understand the root cause of why something is happening, you can't make an intelligent decision to improve performance. So the, so the why is, is the most important there. And there's a concept called the five whys, uh, which is used in parts of Six Sigma. And also it was a concept followed by the founder of Toyota. And it's a simple approach where typically you have to ask why five times to really get to the answer. Well, if you think about that, if you're going to have to ask why five times to get to the true root cause of why something is happening, most reports or even dashboards are not going to get you there. And it's not because companies haven't purchased the right software. It's typically that the data has not been modeled properly and the design of this solution or the application that, that is being delivered to the business user is really not satisfying the, the, uh, the need there. And when business users come to me and ask for a report, the first thing I ask them is, what questions are they trying to answer? What questions are they asking of the, of the data? And what are they trying to understand in their, in their business? What are they trying to accomplish? And how does this connect back to the company's initiatives, the annual operating plan, as well as the long-term strategic plan? And many times, you know, you look at a report or a dashboard, and it's focused on a specific area of a company. You know, if it's sales growth, it's looking at, all things about sales growth around product categories, product lines, some time dimension, uh, sales channels and whatnot. But to truly understand what's going on in sales growth, not only do you need to get to the root cause, but there's a lot of moving pieces within organizations. And to go back to the balanced scorecard, which has the four perspectives, finance, customer, operational processes, and learning and growth, you typically need to incorporate key metrics and drivers from those different areas to really understand why a financial metric is performing the, the, the way it's, it's occurring or, or what, what is happening. And I learned a long time ago that the best performing companies don't have the best reports or information. They make faster and more effective decisions. Now, they, they're using the information to make those decisions but the end all is not information or reports. The end all is the, the, the decision. And I think that's where a lot of companies struggle is that they think that the end goal is a report or a dashboard where the end goal is to help business users make better decisions and to improve performance and then to learn from that and to go back and improve the, the, the solution and the application. So if we go to data science, I mean, that all makes sense to me, but how does data science address uh, the why and the what should we do portions of, of what business needs? Um, I think we know how it supports prediction, um, but how about root cause? Well, yeah, that's that's another great question. So let's take a specific example, and I've spent time in, in the restaurant industry. 
So if, you know, and sales growth is always, you know, every company I've ever worked with, they're trying to really accomplish two main things. And that is grow sales and improve margins. So if you're looking at sales growth, which is a financial metric in all companies, and you want to understand why sales were up or down last week, the first thing you want to know is why is that is that happening? So if we look at a, at, at a restaurant, you're going to want to know, well, was it certain days of the week? Was it certain day parts, which is breakfast, lunch, or dinner, which helps you to perform what is referred to as diagnostic analytics, but it still really doesn't get you to the root cause. So if sales were, were up or down on the weekend at, at the lunch day part, Okay, so now you have more information, but you still don't get to the why. And to get to the why, you and you also want to be more proactive. So you want to understand, well, what is driving sales? So if you think about sales, the two main drivers is your traffic through the door, so your guest traffic, and then what each of those individuals is spending, which in a restaurant business is called average check. In hotels, it's called ADR, average daily rate, or rev par revenue per available room, and other in, other industries have like average order value. And then you want to drill into that, and you'd want to understand it from a customer perspective. So based on customer segmentation or customer lifetime value, did your customer counts and customer spend go up or down based on what segments of your customer lifetime value segmentation? Because if you're losing more customers at that are your high value, lifetime value customers, that's a, a much more serious problem than maybe sales just being down a few percentage points last week. So that's where the data science and the predictive analytics comes in with trying to understand the business better and drive better, better business decisions. Hmm. So... That's interesting. Uh, you know, we, we can do some correlations and understand, well, the revenues are down at lunch times, but we still don't necessarily know the root cause of that. And that probably is something data science can help with. But in the end, we may also need people to validate against that, uh, against their knowledge of how the business runs, right? Well, and, and that's, that's uh, an important part is that this everything we do, the solutions and applications that we deliver are there for the business people and the business decision makers. And without that business knowledge, um, no matter how good the analytics or data science is, it's it's not going to really deliver the results that that one would one would like. And you know, g- going back to to the balanced scorecard again, is that. You're right that, you know, just because customer traffic might be down at the lunch day part on the weekends, we still don't know why. And as we start to drill into that, we might discover that, well, there was a marketing issue that um, we ran a promo last year and we didn't run a promo this year. Or maybe we ran a promo this year and we didn't properly do a good customer segmentation and we sent it to the wrong customer segmentation. Or maybe worse, uh, worse yet, is that the company isn't doing any data science and they sent the same promo to everyone and it drove a lot of traffic in. But because we were discounting heavily, we ended up um, having, having an issue with margins and, and profitabilities. Thinking back to 2008, 2009, 
when the Great Recession hit, I was in the restaurant business. And of course, traffic declined significantly because people cut back and stopped spending. So many of the restaurant companies, and including the one that I was at, we started using the BOGO approach, buy one, get one. And we did an amazing job driving traffic. We also did an amazing job losing money because we were giving <laughs> away food. So, you know, we, we, uh, we uh, started to say in that business that, well, anyone can drive traffic through the door by just giving your, your product away. So the goal then became to drive profitable traffic through the door and, and not just any traffic. But continuing with, with our restaurant example is that, yeah, maybe there was an issue with marketing, but maybe marketing was fine. Maybe it's an operational issue and there's a problem with, with operations. And that's where the uh, perspective of operational processes and the balanced scorecard is so critically important. But And then with the operational processes is that, yeah, machines do a lot of that. But in a lot of industries like restaurants, it's people doing that. And then that gets into the learning growth of um, perspective of the balanced scorecard. So here's a classic situation where there was an issue with sales growth last week. And as you started to drill in to really understand the root cause and use analytics and data science, is that you discover that maybe it's a training issue with people in the front of the house or back of the house in a restaurant. And, and that's what's really causing the, uh, the sales problem. Unfortunately, though, in a lot of companies, they sit around and, and talk about uh, issues with sales. And uh, the first thing they'll talk about is, well, let's throw more marketing dollars at it. We need a new promotion or we need a new initiative or we need to send out a new um, email to, to, our, to our customer base. And the thing is that that's never going to solve the root cause of what might be happening in that business. Interesting. Well, listen, you've talked about reports. You've talked about data science. You even mentioned balanced scorecards. What is the role of each of those uh, in a data analytics program? Is there a role for reports? Is there a role for balanced scorecard, it seems to, you seem to suggest that uh, in many cases, balanced scorecard could be a great way to do your analysis. So, yeah, so um, let me take those questions one at a time. It, is there a place for, for reports? Even though uh, probably everything I've said so far is um, against reports, companies still need certain reports. So. All companies need fi monthly financial statements. You need quarterly board reports. Um, if you're a publicly held company, you need quarterly and annual SEC reports, your 10Qs and 10Ks, as well as you need an, an annual report. So the, the financial side of the house, you still need all of those reports and you need your actual the budget comparisons. And in a lot of companies, you need like daily, weekly flash reporting that is informing people of, of and assisting them to monitor the business. Um, beyond that, in my opinion, most companies don't need many reports. They really need analytics and data science to really understand what's happening in a business. Um, so so th I think that that is very important. Um, on the balanced scorecard, um, the 
uh, I think it's a wonderful approach to use. And uh, a little background on the on the balance scorecard for those of the listeners that are not familiar with it. So it was created by doctor, doctors Kaplan and Norton. They wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review in 1992. And the main premise of it is that at that point, most analysis was based on looking at lagging indicators in historical data. So last month's sales, last month's profits. And their approach was is that a company needed to be more focused on leading indicators rather than lagging indicators. And they came up with these four perspectives, financial, customer, operational processes, and learning and growth. And they went further to say that many financial metrics, which are metrics you see in your financial statements, are lagging indicators like last month's sales and last month's profits. And many of the customer operational processes and training and growth, which come out of your operational data, so they're not in your ERP system, they are more leading indicators. Now, you might still be looking at something like customer satisfaction or customer retention for last week or last month, but that is a leading indicator of what might happen with a financial metric in the future. So a great example of this is that Boston Market some years ago put a uh, process in place at their restaurant units that they would obtain information from their employees on a daily, weekly basis with a simple survey. And it was essentially measuring employee satisfaction at the, at the unit level. Well, an interesting thing started to happen is that they noticed that at units where all of a sudden employee satisfaction turned from being positive, trending towards negative and then going negative, several months after that happened, sales started to decline. And doing the correlation analysis, they discovered that that simple employee satisfaction survey that was just done at, at the unit level on a daily, weekly basis ended up being the best leading indicator of what was going to happen to sales growth in, in the future. So, so that's sort of a, a quick summary of the, of the balance scorecard. It also has um, some great examples of using cause and effect analysis, which is another way of approaching root cause analysis. And, and there's many other factors of the balance scorecard. So what has happened since 1992? Drs. Kaplan and Norton, they wrote two more articles in the Harvard Business Review, and then they've written numerous books. And it went from what started out as a performance metric management system, if you will, to really a strategic management system. And companies started to, to develop um, not only their balance scorecard for measuring the metrics and performance, but also for managing their, their strategy. Um, they also come, comes out of the balance scorecard is what's called a strategy map, where you connect all these perspectives together and all of your initiatives and objectives together. And they even wrote a book um, solely on strategy maps. And what, what I tell people and, and I tell my students that um, even if your company is not using the balance scorecard as the official approach for measuring performance, you could really use the teachings of the balance scorecard in how you deliver analytical results and analytical solutions. And as my previous example was talking about, you know, drilling down to understand the root cause of what's happening with sales, you might 
come to the conclusion that, well, you've got a training problem. And using the balanced scorecard and going through the strategy map and looking at the cause and effective analysis helps you connect all those dots to understand what's going on. Right. So since 1992, the balanced scorecard has uh, initially gained a lot of popularity. Do you, do you still see organizations implementing it and using it out there? Um, you know, I think it's gone through waves in the, the late 90s and um, in the early 2000s. You saw a lot of um, organizations implementing the balanced scorecard. And it's it's complex and it's challenging, even though there's tremendous benefit from it. And it's complex because it touches every part of the business and you're trying to connect all these different parts. So you're trying to connect learning and growth, HR, people performance, to operational processes, to how those operational processes impact the customer and impact the sales of goods and whatnot. And then how all of those perspectives that are non-financial impact your financial perspective and, and your financial metrics. So it's quite complex to put it all together and to put it together correctly. So I haven't seen as many companies recently doing it, but like I said, I think it's an excellent approach to use whenever you're building solutions. So a lot of times when I work with business users, and they're trying to understand a part of their business, I use the balanced scorecard with them to simply go through to make sure that we've touched all the important aspects that might be impacting this area of the business that they're trying to understand so that they can manage it better. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, so we've, we've talked about reports, we've talked about the balanced scorecard, so then what is the role of data science? You've hinted at it, but maybe you could elaborate. Well, I think data science, as, as it has evolved, really helps companies drive performance from a proactive perspective rather than, rather than a reactive perspective. And, and, and I'll give you a, um, a couple of examples here. And, and the other thing is, is that I think it helps companies become agile, which has become you know, a popular buzzword um, recently. But you know, as I think about agile, I think about placing analytics at the point of every decision and embedding analytics into daily processes. And when you do that, what are you going to embed? What is that going to look like? And that's where I think data science can, can really help you. So I'm working with, a, a, with an e-commerce company some, some years ago, when I showed up, if you asked marketing how were sales last week, They'd say things like SEO was up and SEM was down. This product category was up. That product category was down. And if you start to ask questions about, well, how many new customers did we get last week? How many high-value customers made a purchase last week? What was customer retention last week? They had no idea. So I worked with them to develop a customer 360 and to move from being product-centric to customer-centric and using data science to really drive all of marketing's decisions in trying to improve customer lifetime value. So I've always believed that if you truly want to profitably grow sales and grow profits, grow customer lifetime value, 
and sales and profits will will, will follow. So that was an, um, an an example of how we use data science and predictive analytics to really change how the whole marketing department worked there and and how they looked upon. Um, their, their, their tools. And we went from a one-size-fits-all where they were sending the same marketing to everybody to very customized, specific one-on-one marketing. And, and we refer to it as a segment of one. So yes, we do customer segmentation and data science and predictive analytics where you're grouping customers together. But really, from a marketing perspective, you eventually want to get down to a segment of one. So that was a big win there, but then we took it a step further because we wanted to really embed it and and make the help the company become more agile. So they had a sizable customer service department that not only um, handled the the calls uh, for customer service, but they were also a sales department. So they took orders in addition to the to the website. So we embedded some of the predictive analytics into a solution for them. So when a customer called uh, called in, they could immediately get on the screen. How long have they been a customer? When was their last purchase? What is their lifetime value? How are they trending? Are they trending up or trending down? And then a popular part of data science and predictive analytics when it comes to customer marketing is upselling and cross-selling. Well, we also embedded in there is what would be the next best cross-sell to offer this customer? And as we found out there, and most companies find this out, that as customers purchase more product categories, they have a higher lifetime value, they become more loyal, and their frequency goes up. So the goal is to try to get customers that have not purchased many product categories, and maybe only one product category so so far, is to purchase additional product categories. But which one should you offer them? And you just, a product category could have hundreds or thousands of products. What specifically are you going to offer them? So we embedded things to help the customer service representatives uh, be more proactive uh, and agile with the customers as the customers called in. Great. Well, last question here. Why is it so hard for companies to deliver data science and not reports? What what is the secret sauce there to make data science work? We, you know, you hear a lot of things about there's not as many data scientists out there. It's kind of hard to establish a program, know what applications to apply it to, et cetera, et cetera. But in, in your experience working with many companies, what's the key? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and um, it is a challenge. Um, you know, it always surprised me that, especially today, um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of people didn't know what analytics or business intelligence was, but today it's everywhere in the news. Um, it's a very hot trend. Uh, data science and data analytics is probably the hottest, most in-demand job in the, in the country and even though a lot of executives and, and business people say that they want it, many of them don't understand what it is. And also, they're just used to getting all of those, those old, old reports, and changes can, can be difficult for people. Um, the other thing I see in a lot of companies is Excel is so ingrained in companies and so ingrained in, in how people work. And unfortunately, many reports companies use are in Excel, 
and Excel files are being emailed all over the company, it's very difficult to get people to, to, to change. And last November in the Wall Street Journal, there was an article that uh, said that certain finance chiefs were telling their staffs that they wanted them to stop using Excel because Excel had not kept up with the large amounts of data that all companies have today and with being able to apply more data science and data diagnostic techniques. And Excel is a great software, but it's just like Ferrari is a great car, but Ferraris were not made for off-roading and a lot of people take Excel off-roading and they use it for things that it's not intended for. Well, what's interesting, several years or several days after that article in the Wall Street Journal, there was another article that appeared in the Wall Street Journal. And the title of that article, and I quote, is that finance pros say you'll have to pry Excel out of their cold, dead hands. So many people, you know, they, they like what they like and they like what they're used to. And they like using their Excel because they've used it for years and they're very comfortable with it. They, they like their reports because um, they, they've always gotten these. So back in my consulting days, when we used to go in to gather requirements, we never asked people what reports do they use? We asked them what decisions do they make? And then what do you need to know to make those decisions more effectively? And many times, we, when we left, the company had less reports than we, than we showed up. So I, I think the way to help companies do this is I learned a long time ago to sell benefits, not features. So I think you can move a company towards data science and analytics and out of reporting and even out of Excel by helping them understand how these new approaches can help them understand their business better and, and make better decisions and to help them understand that the goal here is faster, more effective decision-making, not more, more reports. And, and even in some companies I've seen, they still want, you know, reports with just all numbers and visualization has become very popular recently. And there's a lot of great tools out there that have made it very fast and easy to put together visualizations to understand your business very quickly. And like they old say in a picture is worth a thousand words. I think um, slowly delivering results and helping those people understand how some of these new approach- approaches and solutions can help them run their business better is the way to get them to evolve into the, the, the new um, areas of, of data science. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Habits are hard to break. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it takes relentless effort uh, and focus and demonstration of what the new technologies can do. So Rich, thank you so much for your time. Uh, your insights were wonderful. I'm sure they'll benefit uh, many in our audience. Thank you, Wayne. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more content from business intelligence to data management to data science, browse to the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.